Hi, and welcome to the next edition of the With Just a Hint of Mayhem interview podcast. This time we've got um, uber-talented York musician Dan Lucas. You well, may well know him from his Boss Kane guys and other bands. He's been in many, many. And um, he's going to give us some big news about who he's going to be touring with very soon as well. But I'm not going to mention that now. I'll let Dan do that himself. And um, perhaps we can start with that. Dan, what's the big news? Um, well, so... Um been asked to go on tour with Ginger Wells out in his new band The Sinners next month um, so that's well it's a big deal for me because I've been a fan of his for well since I was 14 um, so and aside from that the timing of coming out of the madness or lack of madness uh, in the lack of good madness in the last couple of years um, I was getting very close to can I build this back up again? And then yeah. this was kind of falling in my lap because he's been an absolute gem. So yeah, it means I get out all over the country again and I know the rooms will be full and I know the vibe will be good. And hopefully I'll shift some merch and catch up with some friends and uh, have some fun. And um, Ginger actually called you the uh, the Barry White of country, <laughs> yeah. which I absolutely love. Yeah. How do you, you feel about that? <laughs> well, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But, um, yeah, that was a, a fun thing to read. There's been a few descriptions over the years, but um, I think I said to a friend, I'm just going to delete my biography now and just play the <laughs> I think that works. That works on so many levels. And, and I think this, you probably answered this next question, actually, which was, who was your biggest musical influence and why is that? Well, I mean, Ginger certainly would be a go-to response for that. And... To some extent, more because of the other people he's introduced me to musically than his own stuff, but certainly as much as his own stuff. Um, I was a proper obsessive Wild Arts fan from the moment I first heard them. Um, but it was the fact that they were blending so much and there was so much going on, and there was like I was getting into well, certainly more into well, I guess I was probably already into the Ramones but certainly more into like the Ramones and stuff like that but then like bands like Shonen Knife and Sepultura and like, heavier and more sort of niche punk bands and things like that um, as a consequence of them talking about the minutes because I couldn't work out where they'd pulled this sound from because <laughs> it's like it's poppy as hell but it's heavy as hell and just so much going on uh, um, and always always on point lyrics like always like really powerful whether it was funny or political or just commentary stuff. Um, so yeah, it'd definitely be up there. I, I suppose, aside from that, people like um, people like Tom Waits, who don't really let any external influences dictate what they're doing. Or <laughs> That's quite whether true. it's in sort of market terms or musical terms or anything. Um, but I guess like uh, early on, it was probably like the Clash of Guns and Roses that taught me on to guitar music first. But I've kind of already been into like classical music and opera stuff and things, all sorts of stuff before then, because I wasn't really allowed to listen to anything but that at home. So I think the. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier when, when I read through the questions and I thought there's a lot more like influence from Gilbert and Sullivan than I would probably have thought about before. <laughs> Just in terms quite of like, lyrical flow yeah. and variety yeah. schemes and things like that. But again, I, like, I see that in other stuff as well. It's just a bit of a weird... And it's, there's almost a hip-hop element to the way that flows as well. But um, yeah, 
I, f- I find it quite interesting what you said about the the Wild Hearts turning you onto other music because that happened to me as a kid. I got into David Bowie and then suddenly there's uh, Iggy Pop, there's Lou Reed, there's the Robert Underground. Yeah, yeah, and, and you just you know it's easy nowadays, but in those days it was kind of oh, let's find this person, and um, I absolutely loved it. It was great. Um, yeah, I mean, that, like I think that was one of the things that I loved about like, when I left school. I was working in record shops. And I think that was obviously there was no internet then so that, that was my instant access when someone says yeah. oh you need to listen to this band I can just like look it up in the drawer so it, it was like a kid in a candy store <laughs> uh, um, and, and now everyone's kind of got that and you can tell someone about a band and they'll be listening to them oh, yeah, years later yeah. but yeah if you went working in a record shop or didn't have a friend that you had to save up and buy it and yeah. I think that made it a bit more special it was always, it was always more difficult yeah so and in terms of um, so you've been a musician for quite a long while haven't you yeah, Most I of your life is that. I call myself that at uh, the best of times, but yeah, uh, yeah I've played, played instruments for yeah. Or been a performer, whichever way you call it. I mean, yeah, this this is your career, isn't it, effectively? Yeah, yeah. So, what, what do you think you'd be doing if you weren't a musician? 100% I would be worm thing, mate. Like, there's, there's no way of me getting through this madness without <laughs> music at all. Well, I'm pleased you're playing music in that <laughs> case, I'm <laughs> very pleased. Um, so, in terms of your musical career, um, what, what's the thing that you're most proud of or hasn't happened yet that hasn't happened or, that hasn't happened or has happened you know because it could be the ginger wild heart tour it could be um, so what's the thing you've been most proud of so I far mean, I, there's a few like events that I, I used to have as an answer to this question because obviously it's one of those questions you get asked on sort of like radio interviews and stuff but like having thought about it more and I think having my songs used at people's weddings and funerals just knowing that they're connected that way yeah. like people for them to ask for that I don't think there's anything that could be more important than that or more to be proud of than that and um, there's people that I've played with that I never expected to be able to yeah. I kind of see that more as luck than anything that I've done really other than just being stubborn and hanging <laughs> in there in the times when there's something to be said for hanging in there definitely yeah definitely. yeah and, and I've and I think that kind of powers you up as well because when it does come back around, regardless of whether there's cause and effect there, um, it does make you feel like faith is being rewarded. Like I've hanging in there for the last couple of years and then coming out and being off of this, it, make, it kind of validates going through yeah. absolute hell and being close to the cell and everything that I'm earning on being halfway through selling a lot of things. But um, just to kind of keep the dream alive. Um, why am I doing inverted commas with my hands when there's not a Do- doesn't matter I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to I'm not going to actually commentate and say Dad's doing inverted commas with hands it's, uh, but I just did so yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and so did you so, um, um, I'm not taking these questions in in the order I sent them to you but so what drives you to write songs so I've been listening to some Boss Kane stuff um, and I think you know, some of your songs sound like they're just simple tales of life. Um, but is there an autobiographical element in there, or is it something else, or a combination? All of the combinations. I don't really get. I don't really feel like I get. There's not like an end point that I'm trying to get to most of the time. It's usually just of um, all like I, I, I don't understand the process at all, and I kind of try and study it, and then get scared of it. And, it's different for every song. Like sometimes there'll be like a plot to a film or a line in a film or a book or something and that'll just spark an idea that doesn't it maybe comes to fruition straight away or maybe just bubbles away in the back of my head. 
um, I think most of it's just me kind of processing life or things that I've witnessed. But it's not like I am not always the I character in the song, and that's yeah. not even always a human. It can be like a guitar or something in the story. It's just played in perspective. But I think, yeah, I don't understand the process at all. Um, before, I thought I did, but I think I, before the last couple of years, but it wasn't until I didn't have regular gigs that I realised nothing I like feels finished until I yeah. play them to someone else. Um, which was really hard because I always have songs on the go and they have not felt finished until the last two weeks, which has been... And I don't stop meddling with them at all. I've got literally always at least 50 songs going on in my head. It's quite hard to contend with. Because if I let shit ideas go very quickly, I have to. But anything that doesn't offend me immediately is a potential idea that I need to keep as an option I, I kind of love your interactions on, on social media sometimes when you kind of say just woken up and I've got a punk banger in my head and I'm playing that today and it's kind of uh, I always find it quite interesting because you kind of think will you remember which one that is in about two years and then, mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Some, I mean, are you, I'm sure you remember the song but I mean in terms of remember those comments that's what I mean well I, I mean I, I, it's weird because I don't think those, those things always feel like they're written for not characters that I'm with, but for a specific band like I would know if, if a song was coming to me that it was going to be like a nose dagger song or yeah. Moss Kane song or I don't really know what this is going to be kind of thing. Um, and that kind of energy or vibe to it kind of stays but oftentimes that's not where it ends up and that's just kind of where it sparks off but uh, that's letting the song kind of lead the way rather than trying to assert yourself on it because that sends you Great. Oh, in my experience, trying to assert yourself on a song that's got a mind of his own is a real wrestle that you're not going to win. And I've been all around the houses with them, and then come back to us. That's where I started. Yeah. But in, yeah, I think that's a again. That's part of the process. Just throwing so much shit at it that you you're actually deleting what you're trying to come back to the raw element rather than having an end goal and building up. Oh, that's kind of the way I work but, but I suppose if you just stuck with the first thing you'd always wonder what if I did this what if I did that but if you've done yeah. it and you come back to the first thing and that, then again uh, that's kind of going back to what why I think why playing them in gig form that is me drawing a line under that is where it is I'll I'll may well edit musically or lyrically after that but that will feel finished at that point um, and that is about the just like a mental drawing a line under I think and because there was none of that I have played some of these new songs in every key imaginable every (laughs) genre imaginable in like different voices and ranges and like I kind of lost who I was along the way just trying all of these things because I wasn't playing with other people and I was trying to assert more personality onto the song Um, and that would depend on which like sometimes it wasn't I wasn't feeling inspired to do it, I was doing it to keep myself sane because I was kind of losing my shit along the way from not having stuff to do. Um, so I would overthink it and then realise, oh, I'll play it on an instrument that I don't really fully understand or I'm not trained in. And sometimes when you do that, the vocal phrasing won't sit over what you're doing because right. it's designed to sit over the guitar part. So when you're playing like a, a, as a non-trained drummer, I can't physically sing the same thing. <laughs> so then I'd think, oh, this beat works really well for this song go back to playing on guitar and I've changed the vocal phrase yeah. and now that doesn't fit with the guitar so you're like constantly shifting it um, 
But yeah, some of the some of the songs that end up being really quite sparse and gentle are like massive noisy riffs in my head to start. So with. those thirty years we could have the Boss Kane anthology with all of the, the demos and everything. Quite yeah, possibly. That's, that's, that's good. Looking forward to it. I'll be ninety three, but I'm still looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. We always joked about calling it Box Kane. If it was <laughs> but, like, I don't think there's a format that we could put it on. <laughs> that's <laughs> really good, actually. That's really <laughs> good. Um, what's the music industry today? Um, what, what's the best and worst things about music industry today? Do you think? Mm, well, probably the same things, or, or the same things that impact that are impacting other industries. To some extent, but I think to some extent the same things are the best and the worst. In that, like streaming is great for people to access, but is absolutely killing revenue from other yeah. people. Um, and then there's a lot of other stuff, baggage that kind of comes with that. In that, that ethically, it's or for me, it is a bit of a minefield. Um, and it depends what you want to achieve with it. And I, I don't really like considering myself as part of an industry anyway, because I wouldn't do this anyway. Um, that's just something that I kind of have to deal with, and I don't deal with it very well, or with enthusiasm, <laughs> or with like maximum success as a goal. I actively sabotage a lot of things um, to keep myself away from a lot of them. But I think the streaming revenue is not where it's going and how it's worked out needs sorting out one way or another or there needs to be an ethical streaming platform which I don't feel like there is anything yeah. uh, Bandcamp's the closest thing to that um, but the positives are that people are accessing more music and it is or under normal circumstances it would feed through as a primary tool for live stuff but I think just because of the, the struggles that venues are facing and that people are facing financially that's not necessarily but people aren't feeling the benefits from it that they were yeah. maybe before COVID times um, so it did feel like a viable promotional tool for a good time not something that I wouldn't particularly have held a grudge about the lack of income from because there was an income at the end of it, yeah yeah um, in terms of people hearing the music they wouldn't have from any other way and getting gigs that I wouldn't have got yeah like people still going to course to see that now I feel like that's all gone and I don't feel comfortable about being on any of them so I've just pulled everything off on yeah, the yeah. bank um, I think there's a lot of people dealing with that on all different levels of it and some people have music on there that they don't have any say on whether it's on there and vice versa like pulling they have not had a say in it being pulled off there you know and the copyrights and stuff like that I think I, I think I, I mean I'm, I'm, a, I'm a music fan. I listen to Spotify. I listen to other streaming services and Bandcamp as well. And I think I think the issue for me is that um, it, it lends itself to you not actually listening in a in a control way is the wrong word. But growing up, I listened to an album, you know, yeah. record. You'd play one side, then you turn it over and listen to the other side. If you're listening to something on Spotify or any streaming service, it's so easy to skip. I yeah, try my it, best not to. So there's, there's multiple points about that as well. I, mean, I think and we're all guilty about that. It's natural because it's a you've just been given the keys of the keys, yeah, haven't you? Yeah. Um, but um, the, so there's things I don't listen to in the context that they're made anymore, which I think is a big thing. Like people might not want to listen to albums as a whole, but what I've always found, and I think it's, you'll probably say the same thing, is that when you listen to a record, as in a record record, the songs that hit you straight away would not be the ones that you would say were your favourites ten years later. No, the ones that you yeah. had to endure to, like, <laughs> to get to your favourites. Those are the ones that yeah. stay with you because you were to be clearly a fan of them, or well, they kind of 
worm their way into your head over time. So the, the, some maybe some people aren't making albums with it. The theme would be over it, but you think about like sequencing tracks. There's a lot of that that goes into yeah. when you make a record, and it is head fuck to kind of give someone a musical journey or feel like that's the what you wanted to project, and um, for them to go listen to it once they go, well, I like that one. Yeah, yeah, And then the other thing about that is the format that it's actually listened in because it's so convenient. It's been listened on shit headphones or a shit laptop yeah. speaker. And, and it's not like that is not the main event. Like it is a background. Yeah. Not yeah. people are traveling or at work. Or, yeah. Whereas if you saved up and bought a record, you'd like obsess over the sleeve. Right? Yeah. You were looking at the speakers or you were listening and you'd be reading the lyrics and I think, I think that, that for me is, it's, yeah, I mean, I like, I like Spotify, I do, because it, it opens up so many more, more sounds for me, but for me, the whole tactile thing of a record, you know, you've got the cover in your hand, it's 12 inches big, you can actually, yeah, it's not like a CD cover where you can't, what does that say on there, you know, it's kind and of... And you thought that you were part of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not like, like everyone could access this, but you were a fan of the band. Yeah, right? You were yeah. a club, like a guy yeah, yeah, or yeah. Whereas now everyone can listen to everything. Yeah, and there's, yeah. Which, maybe that's good that there's like, right, like that was an, another thing that, kind of saw falling away with the internet streaming kind of taking over from the record shop there was less like the people would come into the record shop and I would know which section of the shop they were yeah. because of the way they were dressed or, or I could make an educated guess <laughs> from it right? and if they were going to that section they'd probably check this section as well yeah. like hip hop and R&B and so on so like that, or rock and metal and you could make an educated guess about that whereas all of that kind of fell away but that kind of opened doors as well because I mean the festivals were a lot more open minded yeah, yeah. it wasn't like this is a rock and metal festival and they were indie or pop or rave or whatever um, so there's like everything that would be a positive has got a negative as well yeah I, I wouldn't disagree with that I wouldn't disagree I think, I think you're right and I think a lot of people would potentially agree with that I think it's um and I actually think it's going to get worse before it gets, gets better. I think the big conglomerates are actually going to disappear over time. And I think it's going to be the smaller independent labels that actually uh, I would really like nurture. Well, I, I think in the meantime, again, going back to the format thing, the problem is literally every time I release an album now, and it's they're too far apart for, for it to be a successful business. <laughs> but um, they, the preferred format has changed. And even if I... Like, do some what could vaguely be called market research while we're recording the album. By the time I release it, people want to know. Yeah, songs. yeah. Um, vinyl is incredibly expensive and slow to get pressed. People say they want it, but then maybe don't necessarily yeah. buy it, or you have to run a pre-order, which is incredibly complicated. And if you get holdups on that, then you have to deal with all the emails yeah. about that. So you can spend end up either you only press what you pre-order or you take a gamble and hope that the yeah. format has a resurgence or um, it's just it is literally guessing and gambling all of it so to finance doing it it's, uh, and, and I think I think I've noticed a lot of bands doing very different things in terms of um, touring and gigs um, I'm actually going to see um, a Leeds band Apollo Junction on the 24th right. and I saw them last year but last year they did a, a vintage bus tour across two pubs where they played acoustic sets and then Kirkstall Brewery where they played an electric set nice. and um, we all the punters travelled on this um, you know vintage bus it cost about 60 quid but you got three gigs the t-shirt and all that kind of stuff and they're doing another one on the I think it's the highest pub in Yorkshire Tan, Tan oh, Hill yeah, or Tan Hall yeah yeah, yeah yeah so um, that's on the 24th so 
and, and it's kind of it's exclusive you, can, you know it's not too many people it's a busload basically and um, I think it's things like that that makes them a little bit of money gets a little bit of exposure yeah, and it's it's because it's not all about you know no one's going to sell millions of records anymore unless you're a huge like Ed Sheeran type person it's just not going to happen um, so I think there's going to be other ways um, and I think the people that are sticking out now that's not their end game that's not what they're looking for no. they're looking the sustainable like niche product and yeah. not involving any industry at yeah. all if possible yeah. that is the goal like, to, to avoid record labels yeah. but just be sustainable um, I certainly don't want to involve anyone else like, I mean there's a handful of labels that I definitely don't um, yeah. jump at because that, that isn't the end goal at all yeah. that would be because coincidentally I'd made a product that they wanted to deal with but I think most people just want to be in charge of their output and, yeah keeps costs down it means you are creatively in control and you always own what you're doing if anything takes off you choose you're in the driver's so you choose who's on board for that um, kind of process or if, if people want to level up and need investment then I think it makes way more sense than, than, like, to avoid the industry as much as possible yeah, no, I, I, think, I think that's the way it's going to go I think you know more artists and more small well, locals are just going to remain independent I think, I think that's yeah. going to be it I the others that, that go for big will be the ones that get screwed over yeah. every time in terms of time and money yeah. they'll lose out I mean, I do, I do worry about venues as well, to be honest, particularly with the way the energy costs are at the moment. Yeah. Small businesses going under left, right and centre, and, and unless something happens quick, you've got to fear for the small venues, which Absolutely. are the lifeblood, really. And I, and I think I think it'd be a tragedy if we lose any of those. Fact, it always is, and, and I think, like before, it used to be that it was worth them opening doors. For, if they had the right layout, it was worth them opening during the daytime, yeah. maybe doing a bit of food and just whatever passing trade, but now I think that... That's not worth the well because of the energy costs yeah. and the staffing costs. And, and, and I don't think there's enough daytime trade for them. No, to, I to think you're right. It's actually costing them to open yeah. those yeah. hours. Um, so that's going to pull a look away from like a subsidising method. And you take a lot of the venues in York, they're not really in a position to get passing trade, really. No. It's not kind of central. Well, no, the, the venues are very often like blacked out rooms. They're not yeah, like yeah. conducive to like, they're not like airy restaurants with windows yeah. and views and stuff. And they probably have sticky floors and they smell a bit of the night before, you know what I mean? It's Okay, we're close to finishing, so I'm going to finish on a couple of kind of more fun ones, really. So don't stress about it, all right? But describe yourself in three words. Oh, yes. So, my. There's two, like, immediately that spring to mind that I read this. And the first would be Not Dead Yet, and the second. <laughs> Would be blessed and cursed, and I think they both. Oh, I love that second one. That second one's good. I remember I did that in a business conference once, and you had to put it. And I put, "I am a rebel," and he said, "That's four words." I said, "I know," but but blessed and cursed. That's a good one. Um, okay, so to finish off, um, if there was a Dan Lucas chat show, who would be your first guest? As many as you want, live or dead. Live or dead. Oh, well, that opens crazy doors. I would think like my live my immediate go-to would be Tom Waits again yeah um, and if you've not seen the Tom Waits chat show footage that's online like get all I've seen some music. I've seen some yeah um, and that would be why as, as much as all of his music is just an incredible character yeah and, and I don't think I'd have much work to do to get like, <laughs> but also like, I think I'm pretty sure he's drawing a line under doing anything before. I don't think he'd want to do it regardless of he doesn't do interviews does he sadly but, um, I think he's done like, I think that his last the last time he was on a chat show was very much a like, I'm done yeah. Yeah. 
and it felt like that. But he's fully unpredictable, and I say he's definitely still got albums of unreleased material. Um, but he's also had an incredible life and um, taken a lot of twists and turns along the way. Yeah. Um, musically and the way he lives and the way he perceives the world, and that's quite obvious in his lyrics and, and his other interviews, yeah. which are all worth reading in the sort of like books of collective interviews that are like, better than novels that I've read. Um, just so clever and so clever and always so much more than what he's talking about really not. So I think he'd be fascinating to talk to and entertaining. Um, dead it'd have to be Joe Summer, I guess. Um, I did get an opportunity to talk to him a little bit um, when I found was working for him on one of the Latter-day tours. Um, and phoned me up with him ready to talk to me and I absolutely lost my mind and put the phone down. <laughs> But, um, so, yeah, I mean, the other than that, I, I don't know, I, I'd, not, I'd never thought about hosting a chat show. It's not something I would be comfortable doing. <laughs> I don't think anyone but, really thinks of that. Yeah. You'd have to kind of be a, you'd have to have that as a kid, that should that your ambition to host a chat show. But I think it's fascinating to think of who you'd have that. That's And those, that's assuming that I was going to think musically, because I just automatically think that would be the yeah. same. I'd be like, I'd, I'd struggle to even, like, find a handful of names out of the history of the world and I'd be like <laughs> super keen to talk to so many people whether I respected them or just couldn't understand the things that they'd done or yeah. how they were presented and just wanted to see how they were in reality but uh, yeah I think Tom Waits and Joe Shaw would be a fair kick off <laughs> oh, that's, that's, uh, I'd watch it or listen to it whatever format it was in definitely so um, okay Dan I really appreciate your time anything else you want to add that we haven't covered that you'd like to have done well, just that, that I hope that at the end of this tour, that the new band, which is kind of ready to go, will get a new album done. Um, I was chatting to the guys earlier, and I think after the last few gigs, I feel like the songs are kind of there now. And I'm just, it feels a bit weird taking them out on the road on my own, being as a bit <laughs> to be played with a band. But it also means that I'll have had that, like we were talking about earlier about songs feeling finished because they can't do it. I'll feel like I know them well enough to, yeah. to then go, like, guys, I've just booked a weekend in the studio, I know exactly what I'm doing with the songs, let's go and do them. So hopefully um, we can get something new out there soon and see where that takes us. But yeah, it's just uncertain times for everyone and I've not got, I'm not counting any chickens, I'm just grateful for what's kind of coming my way to be honest. Uh, no, I appreciate that, and, and I, like really best of luck with the Ginger Wild Hot Tour. That's um, that's that's dropped down for the that's brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. All right, thanks a lot, Dan Lucas. Thanks very much. If you've enjoyed this interview, um, you want to find out more. Um, you can find us on the site with just a hint of mayhem com, the Facebook page, which is again with just a hint of mayhem. Uh, Twitter is at a hint of mayhem. Instagram is with just a hint of mayhem and email you might guess is with just a hint of mayhem at gmail.com and of course if you're interested in reviewing or writing for um, for us here at uh, with just a hint of mayhem feel free to get in touch we'll be happy to speak to you and hopefully have you writing for us soon bye for now